game. Blouses. Gallon Chuck. Disaster. Uh, forget it. Disaster. Well, I mean, I'm no doctor. We now join America's most popular show already in progress. Everybody loves Mitch and Sean. You guys are the greatest duo. Fantastic. That team sure did suck last night. They just played sucked. I've seen teams suck before, but they were the suckiest bunch of sucks that ever sucked. Everybody and welcome to another edition of the Post Game Pints podcast with myself, Mitch Gallo, and Sean Campbell. We're brought to you by LaBrosse Brewery. And uh, Sean, uh, yes. I can't partake uh, in the opening beer chug with you. I'm kind of on the clock because the Montreal Canadiens have me doing some different hours out on the West Coast. So while it's very appropriate for you to have a beer with dinner, for me, not so much. I'm going to have to save it for three o'clock this morning when I get home. My hours are all out of whack this week. Hey, that's that's no problem. Been there, done that. I understand it. You'll have it at 3 a.m. You'll you'll open up your LeBras. You'll enjoy yourself because uh, you should go by and check it out. Get your Campbell Gallo. Yes, that's right. Campbell Gallo. It is beautiful. A coffee IPA. It just that perfect hint of coffee. It's not overpowering. It's the, the right amount. It's a nice drinkable IPA. Uh, uh, the reviews are through the roof. Uh, let us know how you like it. Go buy LeBras 133, LeBras in Point Claire. Tweet at us, Sean R. Campbell, Mitch Weigel, the moment you're having, take a picture. I'll take a picture of me drinking it too because I got some now because I went by and I saw the crew. It was great to go by. Uh, so go, go get yours at LeBras. But Mitch, we got lots to get to. Uh, I know we've been doing the five-minute post-game shows. Uh, this is going to be a little bit longer format, but we got it'll give us a little bit more time to dive into some of the issues the Canadians are having right now as they're starting a road trip and they only have one win on the season. Yeah, well, at least the win on the season came in their latest game. So you could say uh, uh, that uh, they only have one win going into the uh, road trip. I'll say, Sean, that the Canadians are on a one-game winning streak. Uh, going into uh, the road trip. So, look, uh, they played a very bad Detroit team on Saturday. At least Detroit was bad in that game. Uh, Detroit actually followed it up with a, a Sunday uh, early evening game against Chicago on the road. They would go from Detroit to Chicago and blow out uh, the Blackhawks, who have so many issues from top to bottom of the organization. But as of, as of the standings uh, right now, uh, the worst team in the league, even worse than Montreal. But I thought uh, there was a lot in that Detroit game uh, to like uh, from Montreal. Most notably, uh, the fact that they were able to score and score often. That's been their Achilles heel, which is weird because going into the season, you and I both looked at the amount of people who could put the puck in the net on the roster and thought that it would be the least of their concerns. But at least, Sean, they broke out offensively, and that's got to feel really good going into the road trip, uh, starting with the Seattle Kraken. 
Yeah, and they broke out with, if you were to give me a list of players that were going to score a hat trick for the Canadians, uh, that list probably would have included uh, a Josh Anderson, a Cole Caulfield, a Tyler Toffoli, a Nick Suzuki, uh, a Mike Hoffman, a Brendan Gallagher. I can go on and on, a Christian Dvorak. Before you reach the name of Matthew Perot, Matthew Perot is still an intriguing player to me on the Canadians. And, 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 and you can see he has an offensive touch. He's very good around the net. Sure, he got an empty net or sure, one banked off the defenseman, but that's they all count. And, and you do it because of where you are and what you're doing. And I don't know where he fits in on this team. I know, look, here on the Post Game Pines podcast, Mitch, you and I both had him as the third line center before the whole training camp disaster. People made fun of, of me. Of, of, oh, no, and same here. We had the same thing. We actually, if you go back just a couple episodes ago, our rosters are right up there. I know Dave still has those shots of who we had as the third line centers of the Canadians. We both had Matthew Perot because I just found that the team looks better with him in that roster spot, more so than Cedric Paquet, more so than Jake Evans, more so than Ryan Palin. It's an established NHL player that knows how to produce. Is he a centerman now? No, but when push comes to shove, it's just kind of where the Canadians were. And the pushing and shoving started early for the Canadians for their struggles. Now, is it instant chemistry with, to Foley and, and Caulfield, well, well, we'll wait and see on that. But at least this is where they're going. And it and, and to me, I have no problem with the nine fours that they have. Now, maybe we need someone to play with somebody else, but the nine fours they have in their top nine, I have no problem that those are the nine. Yeah, I'm with you. And it's not ideal for Matthew Perot being in that spot, but looking at their roster, this is the way it has to be. Uh, because of experience, he's more suitable to play in that role than Jake Evans, who struggled when he played there, or Adam Brooks, who is still trying to find even his way as an everyday NHL player. Uh, so I'm with you with uh, Perot uh, getting that hat trick on uh, Saturday. One of the uh, feel-good moments in, in the last uh, couple years of, for the Canadians, really, and uh, the biggest one so far this season. Uh, you know, one was an empty net. Uh, the other one, uh, the mm-hmm. first goal, though, that was a heck of a snipe. Uh, coming down on the left wing and letting it rip uh, past uh, Thomas Grice's uh, blocker. Uh, But uh, I like the way he played in that game. And, you know, he spoke about it, Sean, that he thinks uh, he'll get more comfortable over time playing that position that he hasn't played in a few years and learning uh, the system and trying to develop some chemistry uh, with Tyler Toffoli and Cole Caulfield. Now, you also look at it, Toffoli scores in the game against Carolina. Hoffman scores a game against Detroit. Uh, now it's on Cole Caulfield, I think. He is the guy you circle. He's getting scoring chances, uh, but the, there was big expectations on him for his uh, official rookie season. And if I'm to circle somebody on this trip, he's the guy that needs to break out. Oh, I'm, I'm circling someone else. It's Nick Suzuki. <laughs> I'm circling Nick Suzuki. Look, I know you want the goals from Cole Caulfield, but you have goal scorers elsewhere. They don't have number one centers elsewhere. For me, it has to be Nick Suzuki. Nick Suzuki can't go any more games without picking up points. Can't go any more games uh, struggling the way that he's been struggling. And I don't care who his wingers are. If it's Hoffman, Gallagher, Caulfield, Toffoli, Jermaine, Anderson, Nick Suzuki's Nick Suzuki. To me, he's the one. If, if Caulfield comes back with no goals, I'm less concerned if Suzuki, you know, I'm more concerned, concerned if Suzuki comes back with no points or one point in those four games. These four games on the road trip, are all about Nick Suzuki for me. I, I, I think he needs to start establishing himself as a premier centerman. He has to do it if the Canadians are going to have any success. It's maybe way too much to ask for him at this stage of his career, but I'm ready to ask him. I think he's that good. I really do. It was a bad start 
We'll see how he can get away from the city and maybe come back on fire. Because I, I haven't seen what I normally see from Nick Suzuki. This is, it's about time to see it. Yeah, well, I can't argue uh, with Suzuki. He's in a very important role for the team, and uh, he's also learning his way without having the security blanket that was Philip Deno for him last yeah. season. And now it's he's he's the guy, and he has to do the heavy lifting, and he's got to take uh, he's got to take uh, shifts against the other team's top players. Uh, other teams are going to game plan for him. They know more what he wants to do than maybe they knew in the past. Like Sean, even small things like the power play. Remember on the right side when he do that little move to the top of the circle and then let goal. it rip top shelf goal. Not anymore. Because people have seen it. They know that play, so they defend against it. So now he has to come up with new tricks up his sleeve in order to be successful. And look, I I bring up Caulfield. You bring up Suzuki. I say we're both right because going into the season, we told you that the three young players were all going to have to take a step for the Canadians to be successful. And the three youngsters being Caulfield, Suzuki, and Romanov. And Romanov has bumped up and down the lineup too. But, Sean, I have to say... Uh, I liked, and it's it, it's one game, and it's against a Detroit team that isn't very good, but I liked uh, the fact that they went with Sherratt and Petrie uh, on the top pairing. I thought that made a lot of sense. And then uh, Romanov playing with Savard. Yeah, Romanov-Savard makes sense, I think, in everybody's mind. And, you know, if you could try and share the wealth with your lineup and put Kulak or try Romanov and, if, and get a couple good games out of them, and then you know they're going to peter off. But for me... Maybe it's just it's about getting Jeff Petrie going. You know, you yeah. talk about Suzuki and Caulfield. This road trip is very important for Jeff Petrie. This is a guy that's offensively talented. And if you look at the blue line, he's the only one that's really going to put up some numbers offensively. And he's so important to the power play. He's so important five on five. I'm, I was never worried about him in training camp. And, and oh, the security blanket of, Je- of Shea Weber's not there. For Jeff Petrie, he's dealt with that before. He knows how to deal with life without Shea Weber. And I just think that it's, it's about time that he starts clicking. And maybe it was about, you know, not giving him Kulak, not giving him Romanov. Give him Ben Sherrod. I know Sherrod had a tough start of the season, but maybe for Sherrod it's good and for Petrie it's good. I know it's something that you and I have discussed before, but I, I thought it was a better idea. And I hope that they run with it until Edmondson comes back. Yeah, and Sean, uh, that uh, all goes back to uh, Shea Weber no longer being there, right? And how much they yeah. need Jeff Petrie because of that. Uh, news today, and I don't know how big a news item it is. Uh, I did write about it at uh, MontrealHockeyNow.com if you want to check that out. Uh, but Jonathan Drouin, uh, not great at keeping secrets. He lets it <laughs> slip that Shea Weber has, in fact, retired, and now he's hanging out with Mark Bergevin doing some scouting. Wow, come on. We knew something. And, and Mark Bergevin said the other day, he's like, I have something up my sleeve. For, for, for Shea Weber. And you know what? Shea and Joe, Jonathan Duran were probably chilling, watching the football game in Seattle and being like, you know, what are you up to? I don't know. He has me watch, like, you know, these Kelowna games. And I just tell him some guy's good. I don't know. I'm just, you know, I got to get paid. I'm getting my money. I just, I might as well do something. Oh, you're scouting. Yeah, I guess that's what I'm doing. Like, that could have been the conversation, sure. you know? How's, and, and, you know, players will, will, will joke about the retired life, right? You, you step away from the game. You're going to go, Hey, uh, how's retired life? Like, ah, I'm not retired. I'm just, you know, I'm going to take the year off. We'll see what happens. Ah, you're, you're retired. You're done. Okay, okay, I'm done. I'm done. Like that, you know how hockey players talk to each other. I'm not saying that he's not officially retired because all indications mean that he's done. 
but for the Canadians or for Shea Weber, it doesn't make sense for him to give his papers in at all. And there's players that do this all the time. They keep, they retire years and years after they're actually done. And it's contract wise, especially if you're, uh, you're finishers on an injury, you want to get that insurance money to pay for your, for your contract. And you know what? If he does retire, you know who's the least happy out of everybody? Nashville. Nashville, because that would screw Nashville big time. Isn't Vancouver still paying Roberto Luongo at this point? Yeah, I think it's the final yeah. year of uh, them paying Luongo. And yeah. if, if you look at what you're talking about, I mean, it was the case with uh, Marion Hosa when he had the, uh, the skin ailment. Yeah. Uh, he never filed his uh, retirement papers. And I think if you want to look at a guy who kind of played like Shea Weber, I mean, he wasn't as Shea Weber wasn't as nasty as Chris Pronger. But Chris Pronger's career kind of ended a little bit abruptly with injuries. He got the stick in yeah, the eye. Yeah, he was he was working for the NHL and still being paid by Arizona. I think he was with at yeah, the time. And, he and was still even, under even contract, that, but he had Sean, a job with the league. Yeah. Yeah, but even before that, when he first got that injury, he was uh, in the front off with front office with Philadelphia. Much yeah, like Montreal right. is doing with uh, with Shea Weber, I I, I feel fine, bad though. Yeah, I'm just saying feel, I'm fine with all this. I don't think it's oh. like you know they're they're trying to do like something sneaky here. The guy can't play. He wants to be part of the organization. I just that's whatever it is. I don't need labels. I don't need a retirement label in front of me. I don't need this like at all. It, like that stuff is so meaningless to me. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there, but it it does make me also. Uh, just think back, uh, think back to the run uh, that the Canadians went to uh, three games away from the cup final uh, game four at the bell center. He takes the high sticking penalty. He's in the box mm-hmm. for four minutes, including uh, three minutes and 30 seconds or something like that of the overtime. And if that would have been the end of his career sitting in that penalty box, but instead Josh Anderson scores the game winner uh, and the Canadians uh, go on for game five. And then I think of game five, uh, the way they all shook his hand while leaving the ice. That's when I kind of raised an eyebrow and thought to myself, okay, there's a little bit more to it than I think we know. And everybody uh, involved in that probably had a good idea that he was playing through a significant injury and maybe the one that he was not going to be able to come back from. And as somebody who loved watching uh, Peter Forsberg play, uh, it was kind of the same thing. It was that ankle slash foot and the tendons and, trying to go through surgery and for Forsberg, it was trying to find skates. And eventually he just said, I can't play to my own expectations and to what I think I should be able to do. And I don't even feel like I can protect myself on the ice when he played that truculent style. So uh, just uh, those are just some of the things that went through my mind. Not that I, I'm like you, I have no issue with however they want to work it out paper wise and what he's going to be doing. It just, it made me think back to uh, some of the things that we saw from Shea Weber in the past uh, past year. Yeah, you, you talk about Forsberg. I, you talk about Burray and his knee and the nine surgeries and just kind of, you know, ending too early, couldn't, couldn't compete or be the fast player that he, he wanted to be. But, yeah, I, 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 see the, I see the relation when it comes to the foot with Forsberg and Shea Weber. And I, just so you know, Mitch, so when my thrasher's career is over, I'm planning to end it in the penalty box. Just, <laughs> just so you know, I'm planning to end that career in the penalty box. Yeah, I just would, want you with, to be aware. With the way your uh, beer league hockey career has gone, that would be very fitting for you. Uh, Sean, uh, do you want to uh, just wrap up with uh, what we expect uh, with the uh, four-game road trip? So it's uh, four games out west for Montreal, <laughs> Seattle, uh, San Jose, L.A., Anaheim. 
Well, what do you yeah. want to I think there's two tough games in there. Okay, there's, there's two. Look, it's it's the L.A., Anaheim, and uh, Seattle not off to great starts. L.A. is scoring a little bit, but San Jose's got off to a good start. They look like the, the, the young crew is merging with that older group, and that's going to be a fun to watch to see what they want to do with Thomas Hurdle, depending where they are in the sure. standings, because that will be a guy that everybody will want at the trade deadline. I think that's a guy the Canadians should go after in the summer. Uh, I'm not going to say a trade deadline, but in the summer if he becomes a UFA. He's that kind of player. Uh, but but there, I think there's two tough games. And I think they really need to come back with six points. Six points. Now, if you do it with a couple overtime losses, I don't know how you're going to do it. I'm just saying come back with six points, if you can, out of a possible eight. Uh, it's going to be the San Jose game and whichever game Montembeau starts on the weekend. I don't know which one. Those are going to be the tough ones. I think it's whatever Montembeau starts and San Jose. Those are the two tough games that are going to be on this road trip. Yeah, well, I'm guessing you're you're hoping you get at least three in the first two games, and then that makes your decision for the Montembeau start a little bit easier. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think every game on this road trip is a winnable game. Uh, they're not facing any powerhouses. Uh, the San Jose game, probably tough just because historically the Canadians can't play at the HP Pavilion. It's, it's an arena that has been disastrous for them. I think the last time they won a game there, was uh, in the early 2000s, right? So uh, a struggle. Team wasn't any good. What's that? And that team wasn't any good. The Canadians yeah, well, yeah, in the early was, 2000s. Uh, yeah, <laughs> wasn't uh, wasn't a great Montreal Canadiens team. But Yannick Perot. I don't know if it was that era. I think Koivu was part of the uh, win the last time they won in San Jose. But I just think uh, all these teams are beatable. So mm-hmm. I think six points is bare minimum. And they should even be striving for seven or eight. I mean, if they, if they, and again, they're still working their way through their problems. We'll see if they get shot out of a cannon against Seattle and look like they feel like world beaters after beating uh, the lowly Red Wings. But I think they are better on paper than each and every team that they're going to be playing against on this trip. Well, if they go four and zero, that'll make everything kind of just even. And then it's reset when you get home. You're like, okay, that's that's the first 10 games of the season. Let's play 72 and see what happens. I think that's where the Canadians will feel like if if that if, if they're able to do that on the road trip. I mean, that'd be the perfect road trip if they went 4-0. I think those are too high expectations. But they could if Nick Suzuki becomes Nick Suzuki. I think that's all they're waiting for. Because if Nick Suzuki, then Cole Caulfield and the power play, everything's going to start clicking. To me, this road trip is about Nick Suzuki. Well, we'll see if he can uh, get it done on the road trip, as well as uh, some of the other players who haven't performed up to expectations so far. Uh, Sean, that's all the time on the uh, Post Game Pints podcast. I want you to enjoy your Gallo Campbell IPA because I am very jealous that I can't currently have one, but you enjoy it. I'm empty. I'm empty, by the way. I have none left. I have to make I'm, my way to LeBron. Yeah. I know. I'm, I'm enjoying this from I see yesterday's that. game. From yesterday's <laughs> game. I'm, I'm riding the high. That's, that's the best I'm going to play. Good for you. Uh, don't forget, everybody, to click, listen, sub- subscribe, comment, support us, and we appreciate anybody who took the time to listen to this episode of the podcast. Well, how's that for your entertainment value? They've done their job very, very well. Awesome! No, 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 no. Come on.
BBF.